Jayhead, Moses Malone. I like slam dunks, take me to the hoop. My favorite play is the alley oop. I like the pick and roll, I like the give and go. Cause it's basketball, but Mr. Curtis Hello, everyone. Welcome to another DMV Comic Book Nerds podcast. Today, we are reviewing Riverdale Season 7, Episode 8, Chapter 125, Hoop Dreams. I'm Freddie. And I'm Kennedy. And we are just two Riverdale fans who have come together to discuss this final season with all of you. Quick disclaimer, I apologize for any audio issues on this episode. I don't know why, but my audio drops out at least once per sentence. You may notice I've re-recorded in some spots, but for any spots I missed, I hope you can still understand me. Or if not, have fun playing Mad Libs. How are you doing today, Candy? I'm I'm good. How how are you? I'm doing good. I'm excited to talk about this episode with you. But first, let's see if there's any news to talk about. Uh, honestly, none that I can think of. <laughs> <laughs> All the news is in the episode, right? The return of, of of two very special characters. Yes, or you could even say three because one of them was absent last episode. Um, but I do want to just talk briefly about Mother's Day last weekend um did you get to celebrate or uh... oh yeah I call I called my mom um and you know I live I live like a 20 hour drive away from my parents right now so just just called her and chatted and it sounded like she was making my brother and my dad get dressed up and go to brunch with her which she she loves doing so I think it was it was it was pretty uh pretty good for her I wish I had been there but you know I'm gonna get to see my parents in a couple of weeks so not not too bad what about you nice um yeah, got to spend some time with my mom, and we got to have some crabs. We love crabs, um, you know, Ooh. being from the D.C. Maryland area. Good <laughs> <laughs> um, time, got to spend some time with the family. Um, also, I just want to, like, shout out all the moms on Riffdale, the actresses who play moms, all the people who are moms in real life, and just anyone who's a mom who's listening to this podcast. Yes, we love moms. <laughs> Very pro moms. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, Mary came back. Uh, yeah. And we have, was, we have Betty's mom, too. Was she in this episode? She wasn't in this episode. She um, was very briefly in this episode to tell Betty to join the Vixens. No, Hal told her to join the Vixens. Oh, wow. Yeah, wow. Hal was serious. So she was, she, she was snuffed on Mother's Day. Yeah. Wow. Well, at least Mary came back, and so did Penelope. <laughs> mm, yes world's worst mother <laughs> it's like a it's like um, a competition with penelope and alice mm, yeah i i think penelope's winning that one but in terms of like unpredictability uh alice is definitely i just feel like if penelope was my mom i would know she was crazy but alice is so all over the place <laughs> like i feel like well, she's really gatekeep a uh, gaslight girl boss mm-hmm. well i don't want to uh talk too much about the worst moms we'll just celebrate the best moms like like uh <laughs> like mary <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's about it for the news. Um, so let's get into this episode. Written by Evan Kyle and directed by Sierra Shooter Glaude. Uh, I know that Evan Kyle has written on the show before. Evan Kyle has been a writer's production assistant since season two. And then a writer's assistant on season four. And he became a full writer, season four, with the Ides of March. Nice. Working his way up in the Riverdale train of command. Yeah. And some other episodes he uh, has notably done, like last season, he did, he was a story editor for a, almost the whole season. And a writer on Angels in America and The Stand. So those are some pretty good episodes. And Return of the Pussycats from season five. Nice. So uh, let me just say that Evan Kyle is one of the black writers on Riverdale. And I really appreciate when they get black writers to tell stories about black characters instead of just telling stories about black characters when they're it's written by non-black people. Like, like it's kind of interesting. Like every time Tabitha is like have, having a main plot line or, um, you know, in this case, uh, 
Tabitha comes back and Tony has a big plot line as well. I mean, obviously, it's good for writers to have the freedom to write for all kinds of characters. But I do think that sometimes uh, the black writers give a little bit more authenticity. For example, the other episode of the season by a black writer was the season premiere where they talked a lot about Emmett Till. Yeah. You know, it's it's I think it's important that uh, this show that it does have diversity behind the scenes as well as on camera. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I was going to say, I felt like this episode, uh, you, you, you might agree or might not, but I felt like it was like a very race oriented episode uh, and did so in a, in ways that felt very nuanced and, and subtle while also not being so subtle that you weren't going to get them. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I was like, I thought it was a very mature Riverdale episode as far as these things go. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Not mature in the sense of like inappropriate for for child viewers, but in the sense of like I thought they handled the themes and the issues very well and in a way that was less um less you know pastichey. It was like just they had the characters had some real conversations with each other, which I was kind of like whoa. Yeah, like it was very surprising Uh, and and very well done, I think. And we'll talk about that more as we get into it. But I also want to shout out uh, the director Sierra Shooter Glaude. who only has one other directing credit on Riverdale from last season, the episode The Stand, where they faced off against Percival Pickens. So uh, that's a pretty cool episode. And uh, this one was pretty good, too. Yeah, pretty pretty different um, to go from directing that episode to directing this one. Yes, very different. All right. Um, I'm going to give a quick little summary of the episode. It's about the new kid in town. In order to keep Riverdale High's basketball legacy alive, Frank and Archie recruit a new player to the team a quiet farm boy named Reggie Mantle. Tabitha's return to school inspires Tony to start a literary society for Riverdale's black students. Hal forces Betty to join the River Vixens, and Kevin starts a new job at the Babylonium. All right. So let's dive in to the episode. Um, It starts with the basketball team losing. (laughs) (laughs) And Frank comes up. He's finally gotten permission from Clifford Blossom to recruit an outside player. Um, his name is Reggie the Blur Mantle, and let me just say, this is the first of many Smallville references. Like, anyone who knows me knows that I am a big Smallville fan, watched all ten seasons. Like, before there was Riverdale on the CW, before there were all these other shows, there was Smallville. <laughs> Another show about a place. And about comic book characters. <laughs> <laughs> and that show really kind of set the tone for all the superhero shows that came after, and all the teen dramas that came after like uh like Riverdale owes a lot to it it was interesting that with Reggie this episode I feel like they were basically making him like Clark Kent this whole episode like he had the classic S curl in his hair he um they referred to him as the blur which is what Clark several seasons on Smallville um and they had him like bailing massive amounts of hay like something (laughs) (laughs) and living on a farm like this is not the Reggie that we're familiar with this is a whole new Reggie but I liked it what did you oh yeah no I mean immediately you know I feel like I'm so used to that smirky smarmy Reggie um of of the contemporary Riverdale plotline and I was like oh this guy kind of seems like really different which totally makes sense with the changes they've made to his storyline or like the different life experiences he's had now that he's in the 1950s um but I was like he's like not more reserved necessarily but quieter and they you know explain why that is um pretty well but i was like he kind of like he's like edgier almost you know he's like he's just a bit more serious i liked it (laughs) like it's a totally different character but it's it's a fully realized one like i feel like they pulled from elements of his ethnicity and, and elements of like the time period they're in to create this character who has a story to tell like um I mean, and then there are moments where, you know, uh, Charles Melton's uh, charisma, you know, is the same. You know, like he, he definitely has the same effect on the ladies, I think. <laughs> I mean, but this also showcased um, Charles Melton's like really fantastic acting abilities because it did feel like a totally different character. Um, and do you remember and- when I said that he was on um, the History of the World show? Mm-hmm. Like he was playing a farm boy over there, too. Oh, <laughs> like uh, he, he's been playing the farm boy role a lot lately. And it works because of his big muscles yeah <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah like uh basically riverdale is a basketball town at this point in time and dogs you know they're doing their best but uh so now they're trying to recruit reggie to join the team 
Next. Archie is having dinner with Reggie and, and Frank and Mary. And Reggie's telling his story about where he's from. He said his mom's Korean, but his dad was born in America, and so was he. And he played basketball for Stone Prep for a little bit, but um, he doesn't tell much of that story. Um, and how he grew up on a farm, how the farm is everything that he has. It's, it's their family's legacy. Um, his dad came back with a chunk of shrapnel stuck in his shoulder. But then Reggie, Reggie stepped up and helped keep going because they didn't get any assistance from the government. Like uh, the GI Bill doesn't consider them eligible. Very surprised. He's like, we are. Why aren't you guys? And Reggie says, well, why do you think? So then that's when, you know, Archie's parents kind of, or his mom and his uncle kind of just talk about how that's terrible. Like, uh, the Mayor Blossom's going to make sure that his family stays afloat financially. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's very real. It's very sad. But um, it definitely gives us an idea why this Reggie is different because he's, he's dealing with a lot more struggles, I think, than uh, present Reggie. Yeah, you can definitely get why he's being sort of like uh, reserved and careful at that dinner. All right, so and this is interesting. I'm looking at the the Wikipedia page for the GI Bill now because I didn't realize that their GI Bill like discriminated uh, racially. But uh, yeah, it, it looks like it did. Um, I mean, so many government programs were discriminatory. Um, for example, like. Um, after the Emancipation Proclamation and the Reconstruction Era, white people got reparations and enslaved people didn't. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, there's a whole bunch of, uh, you know, s- sad racial history. But um, it's interesting to see um, these te- characters as teenagers in the 50s. Everything. Yes. It, it is definitely interesting. And I, and I do really appreciate the history that they're bringing in. History I didn't even know about. Like, that's... That's that's nice. Mm-hmm. Reggie has to stay with Archie at his house in his room. Cute, they're, they're bunk mates. And as soon as Reggie gets in his room, he spies Betty through the window. And I'm like, not Reggie. I'm trying to get that Betty peep show, like already. Oh, <laughs> like, <laughs> he just got there. <laughs> Exciting. Like you never see Red- Betty and Reggie together. Yeah. No. I. I kind of. I- I don't know. I guess I guess we'll see. Although this episode, I think, implies that it won't happen, but we'll see. We'll see. Like it's so. Like I said before, it's so fun that this season is giving us new ships we never would have thought of. Like we're always yes. new names. Like I don't even know what to call them. Veggie. Uh... <laughs> Veggie is pretty funny. <laughs> so that's interesting. And then that's then comes the scene where Hal talks to Betty about her behavior. He's been talking to Doctor Werther's. And he's been talking to. They've all decided that they want her to join the Vixens because, of course, the best place to put a sexually curious teenager is in a position to uh, dress scantily for the boys and cheer for them. Yeah, I don't know what they were thinking here. <laughs> it was a pretty it was a pretty bad call. I mean, all the parents just have bad ideas. But also, especially Dr. Werther's. I'm like, why is he so nosy? He's in everybody's business all the time. I know. I was like, why are they all talking to him all the time? Yeah, he's not even that cool. Like, like <laughs> Doesn't he like, have, like, a job or whatever? <laughs> I think he uses his job as an excuse to, to, to be in people's business. Like, I'm the child psychologist, and I have something to say about your children. <laughs> all right, so any other thoughts about these opening scenes? Well, we need to touch on the, the Choney um, issue. Oh, yes. I, I didn't mean to skip that. So, yeah, like uh, we huge makeout session with uh, Cheryl and Tony. And um, but then Cheryl wants to pop the question, like, are we going steady or are we not? Tony is kind of resistant to the idea of going steady because she said that's that's what squares do. <laughs> I know. I was like, uh, that's kind of I don't know. Uh, Tony's some, some of I, I could understand some of her commitment issues, but also at the same time, I was like. Come on. You guys aren't seeing other people. I mean. Well, we do see Lizzo in several scenes this episode. Like, I was wondering, is Tony going to seize this opportunity to uh, see other people or. But she seems just as disdainful of of Lizzo as always, I feel like. True. Yeah. Like that didn't turn out to be another relationship. But um, I get what Tony's saying. I get what Cheryl's saying. I like that they have these different perspectives about 
what kind of relationship they want. And they're still discovering these things. So it was it was a realistic thing to address, I think. Um, I know a lot of Shoney fans were upset. They're like, <laughs> we were not prepared for them to up as soon as they got back together. <laughs> yeah, well, don't worry about that because it'll be resolved by the end of the episode. Like, like Shoney's in game. No worries. Like, just enjoy I think, the ride. I think this is known. Yeah, <laughs> they've invested too much in in Shoney. Yeah, like they're not going to piss off the Shoney fans to to the degree where they they burn the the whole show down. <laughs> but. Anyway, um, yeah, um, at the basketball game, Lizzo comes to see Tony cheerleading, and Tabitha returns, and she's talking to Tony about what her experience was like with uh, Mrs. Till uh, on their tour, and she was able to see a lot of strength from Mrs. Till, but a lot of horror, and just how people treat other people. Meanwhile, Tony has been doing cheerleading, <laughs> and Tabitha's <laughs> like, well, that sounds fun. <laughs> <laughs> I know Tabitha is so funny. Yeah, but what Tabitha really wants to know is: Is Tony still writing like she was in the season premiere? You know, um, Tony admits actually she's been kind of distracted. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah, we know Tony. <laughs> I loved this moment where Tabitha gasps when she finds out that Tony is a cheerleader now. Uh, I, I thought, well, first of all, her actors did a really, really good job. Um, and I don't know, it's just so cute. Like, I, I said this before, but I love the way that they've set up Tabitha's character in the in the 1950s. I feel like she has way more personality with those cute little glasses. But then also she kind of like seems like like a nerdy, quiet girl. I don't know. I just like getting to see her in the high school environment, you know? Yeah, I'm so glad Tabitha's back. Erin Westbrook is a treasure. I'm glad to show. Unfortunately, she's no longer a series regular. She's now officially a guest star. But- no! But I will take as much Tabitha as I can get. Um, yes. And I liked how she played it because, like, I didn't get a feeling that Tabitha was being judgmental of of Tony for pursuing cheerleading. She was just a little surprised. Yes, I, I would agree with that. Um. So next, student lounge, and you've got Betty, Veronica, Kevin, and Cheryl. Archie bringing in Reggie to meet everybody. <laughs> And Veronica is like on a high because a her um, business deal to to buy the theater just came through that morning. Owner of the Babylonium, and then B this hot guy Reggie shows up and immediately she's like, "Who is he? What's his deal? Uh, let me see if he's interested." <laughs> <laughs> Which makes sense because we know that they've had flings in the past. Yeah. Um, and then she, she even calls says him a strapping. Hmm? Yeah, say that. I was gonna say she calls him a strapping flutter bum. Which, yeah. uh, interesting. Now these lines, Veronica in particular, I love all her lines. <laughs> yeah, they, they've they been giving her a lot of fun stuff to say in these 50s episodes. So she asks about Reggie, the strapping flutter bum, and he says that he just got recruited to the Bulldogs team. I suspected a tall drink of water like you was a sportsman. <laughs> and earlier Veronica said that to burn rubber, and then here Cheryl said, be careful, Veronica. You might get a ticket for speeding. Like she's just on ten. <laughs> um, interestingly, Betty was sitting next to Kevin and licking her lollipop like she has done in previous. Episodes. But like, at this point, I'm like, she's not even with Kevin. Um, but maybe they're just hanging out. But but I remember last time it was like very suggestive and very intentional. Or is that just something she does? Like she just licks lollipop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of suggestive things in this this television show. I mean, Betty is getting increasingly horny with every episode. Like, uh, there was a promo for next episode that was all about Betty being horny, (laughs) kissing everybody. Awesome, great. I'm starting (laughs) to notice a theme in these in in this season. Yeah, so like maybe she's just like just doing her thing over there. (laughs) But everybody's into Reggie, uh, including Kevin. (laughs) Like everybody wants to escort him to the gym. I mean, who can blame them? Right. Um, Veronica tries to boast that she owns a movie theater. Um, and asks, he says that there isn't a theater where he comes from, a place called Duck Creek. Um, yeah, it kind of sounds like a a, a a very rural location, huh? <laughs> yeah, kind of like Smallville. I wonder if this is like a specific reference that I don't know. but Or maybe it's just funny because, you know, later Reggie reads a Super Duck comic book. <laughs> He's... And he's from Duck Creek. Maybe maybe Duck Creek is where Super Duck lives. I have no idea. <laughs> when does he read a, a Super Duck? Um, 
when Archie comes home from the mixer. Oh, interesting. You wouldn't really peg Reggie for a Super Duck fan. Maybe Archie just had one lying around. I'm sure Jughead. <laughs> well, Archie, I can believe. Yeah, I feel like I feel like Jughead probably gave him a free copy. Oh so... yeah, true. <laughs> um. So Veronica even tries to see if Reggie's interested in working for her at the Babylonian because she's on the hunt for a few good men. Um, but he declines because he has one job. He's here to win basketball games. So next we see a scene where Tabitha approaches Jughead and asks him, weren't you the guy who was supposed to help me keep track of my homework? <laughs> He's like, oh my gosh, I totally forgot. I'm so sorry. But she forgives him and he tells her, that he was just distracted by his new comic book writing job and he tells her how he met brad rayberry and she mentions that she's a fan of brad she reads not only sci-fi but all genres and so he offers to introduce her to brad rayberry uh, i thought this was cute you know like uh, it was good cute. to see them back together and, and already have like an instant connection yeah, although Tabitha should have known Jughead was not the person to ask about helping with schoolwork. Have we seen that boy do homework at any point? Well, this no. is the thing. Like, she didn't ask him. He asked her, how can he help? Oh, and right. Then, you're right. And then he didn't even follow through. He got distracted with everything. With his like, Jughead, Once again, Jughead kind of sucks. Like, I'm like, Tabitha can do better. But, you know, if she likes him, if, if he makes her happy, then, you know, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Jughead, but... get away from her. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Although I, I, I also kind of think she could do better. But like Jughead's whole thing is he's kind of like that that affable, uh, like like lazy guy. I mean, I do think he's more likable in the 50s than he was in the 2020s. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, especially when he was, in the, he was like going on benders and like ghosting and like living with the rats. Right. Like... <laughs> with the maple mushrooms. Yeah. Like, not a good look. <laughs> I don't know what was in those maple mushrooms, but uh, he's yeah. like, I don't, I don't even remember. I don't remember. Actually, I'm not going to say anything about that plot line because I don't remember any of it. So <laughs> I, mean, that's I just remember the... thinking it was really dumb. Yeah. And feeling bad for Tabitha a lot. A lot. Mm-hmm. And then like he was always having issues with his other girlfriend's present relationship. Like mm-hmm. he's doing too much. Anyway, uh, Babylonian and Kevin comes to ask Veronica for a job. And Veronica agrees to hire him under the condition that he helps her suss out Clay because he hasn't been responding to her advances. She said that she finds Clay extremely dashing to have more than a professional relationship with him. <laughs> Always on the prowl. Yeah. Um, it is kind of crazy that she's back to running a business in her teens again. Yeah. Like the Riverdale writers heard us complaining about how that was an unrealistic plot point. They were like, doesn't matter. Doing like, it again. Don't care. <laughs> don't care. It's what she's meant to do. That's what she does. <laughs> <laughs> she's a CEO. You cannot take this away from us. That's her main character trait. <laughs> um, but I do want to kind of backtrack a little bit because I have a question because I remember this one line between Jughead and Tabitha, and I didn't understand what it meant. Um, when he offers to introduce her to Rayberry, she says, "Would it be an imposition?" And he says, "No, not at all. It's um negative perspiration." I'm like, what does that mean? Is that a joke? Is that, did he, I don't know what that means. I also didn't know what that meant. And I kind of felt stupid. I was like, since when is Riverdale saying stuff I don't get? Negative. Wait, I'm Googling it. Perspiration? Like, it's like, I'm not sweating. What's the opposite of sweating? Dry? Maybe it's not an imposition. It's, it's dry. Yeah, all I'm getting is, um, oh, oh, it's a play on No Sweat. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is that a, is that a 50s thing? <laughs> um, let's see. I can't believe they just dropped that and we had to look that up. <laughs> uh, it looks like. The, I, I see I see entries from the 1970s and 1983 and 2002. So, I mean, I obviously don't have a full, like, um, like <laughs> layout of, of all the times that the, that the phrase has been used, but um, I've never heard anyone say that before. Me neither. And I've lived like, in a lot of different places in the U.S. Like, we were so close, and yet so far from the state. 
I was like negative persuasion. Well, I was trying to connect it to imposition because it sounded like he was saying like, it's no imposition. In fact, it's negative perspiration. I was like, huh? Yeah. Well, I'm glad we solved that mystery. (laughs) Thanks, Google. Do later. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'm so mad at that. Yeah, I mean, I feel uh, like I hear people say no sweat that often. Like, I would know what it meant if I heard it, but... Right, if he just said no sweat, I would... <laughs> well, he's he's a nerd. He's got to sound fancy. I guess. Well, speaking right, of so... perspiration, <laughs> we got back more basketball. Yeah. All right, so everybody's been disrespecting Dilton. As the water boy. Um, and Uncle Frank has told the boys to uh, pick teams... Three against seven, because, again, nobody wants to be on Reggie's team because they're racist or bullying or whatever. And then <laughs> Reggie decides to add Dilton to his team, and Dilton ends up winning the game points. Like, uh, I was like, go Dilton. I'm like, this is a uh, change from what happened in the in the Jughead comic book episode. <laughs> yeah, this is the happy ending to that, huh? Yeah. And so it was cool how Reggie was, like, actually kind to Dilton and helping him to... Uh, be part of the team um yeah good good for reggie i feel like in contemporary uh riverdale he might have uh been one of dilton's bullies definitely um unfortunately there seems to be some racism going on though because julian in particular is not very excited to have reggie on the team yeah classic julian behavior i suppose yeah but it was kind of weird because um for example uh, there was a scene where Dilton ends up playing with them and at the end of it, Archie's like, let's all go to Pops. And Reggie's like, well, first of all, nobody responds. Like, everyone's kind of quiet. And Archie's like, what's wrong with you guys? This is our regular practice tradition. And then Reggie's like, it's fine. Like, I, I can't make it anyway. I got work to do or whatever. And then to that, Julian's like, you know what? You're right. Let's go. Let's all go and, and uh, get some Pops burgers without Reggie. But, and he even invites Dilton. But I'm like, Dilton is also Asian American. So like, if you're going to be racist against Asian Americans, why are you racist against one and not racist against the other one? Or maybe he is. I don't know. Like, To be fair, Dilton presents no obstacle for Julian, whereas Julian might see Reggie as um, a competitor, right? Because uh, he's captain of the basketball team. So presumably he's good or like the best, um, or at least he is up there and he has his leadership role. Um, and I'm not saying this excuses his racism at all, obviously, but I think it could be that he is, um, weaponizing it for different goals. And that's a fair point. I mean, but that's why I'm confused because I, there were times I could not tell if this was just bullying or if it was racism. And I feel like it was mostly racism, but a lot of times they played it off as bullying. I don't know. We'll get into it. Um, but anyway, later we see the Riverdale Vixens and Cheryl is giving them all their assignments. One of them is assigned to a certain boy on the basketball team. Cheryl gets her brother, Julian. Tony gets assigned to Arch. Be- Betty gets assigned to Reggie. Um, but yes. Tony's not really into this. She's like, wait a minute. I serve a boy. That's not what I'm here for. <laughs> yeah. She's like, you want me to make cookies for Archie and like wear his jersey and stuff? I was glad that she chafed against that because I was like, no, no way. Like mm-hmm. if, if they had, if they had through the storyline had her doing that, I, I, I would have been very displeased. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing that's kind of uh, turning Tony off of cheerleading. Um, yeah, more more indoctrination into the square lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Then we are with Jug- Jughead and Tabitha. They are knocking on Brad Rayberry's door, sir. So then Jughead leaves a note, and then he invites Tabitha to go to the movies. And she's like, I would love to go to the movies. Uh, <laughs> so they go to see It Came From Beneath the Sea. Ooh. Um, next. That sounds spooky. Maybe. I haven't seen it. I don't know too much about it. Be horror movie. <laughs> yeah, that's what I would imagine. And then... Tony chat with Cheryl and she basically tells her that she can't do this anymore. Um, she is tired of uh, all this, you know, pretending to, you know, serve men and like be a cheerleader. It's like, it's not her thing. Be square. Like, <laughs> um, And Cheryl says, this doesn't have anything to do with me asking you to go steady, does it? And Tony says, no, but 
the more she thinks about it, she's like, well, maybe like, I'm not the settling down type. I feel like I've lost myself. So sad. Um, but then Veronica tries flirting with Clay at the Babylonium and Kevin is sweeping in the background and I'm dying because I'm so awkward and hilarious. <laughs> okay. Yeah. What do you think of Um, well, uh, she's a bit on the nose, isn't she? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I just I it was funny, but I was also just kind of uncomfortable for 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 both of them. And you know, I think what Kevin says later is apt, um, which is like it, it, even though it's it's a bit silly, she is still their boss and you know, yeah. perhaps some boundaries are then in order. Um, although in the fifties, yeah. I don't think that was really as wide knowledge as it was as it is now. Um, but yeah, I mean, Veronica's gonna do what Veronica's gonna do, which is flirt with boys. Yep. Um, I see Jughead and Tabitha attending movies together. Um, Veronica's just like, I find that interesting, don't you? Um, and Clay, of course, says, "Well, Jughead is plenty handsome," and Veronica's like. <laughs> but then she admits that she she kind of dated him a little bit, um, <laughs> like all the guys. Like she's talked to Jughead, Clay, uh, Reggie, Archie, like Julian. Like she she's gonna test out each and every one of them. <laughs> but she just has bad gaydar, though. Yeah, apparently, despite being someone who was so excited to well, because in the you remember in the pilot episode she meets Kevin and she's like, oh, thank God you're gay. <laughs> Well, but I do feel like that's one thing that's easier to talk about in the present timeline. Oh, yeah, definitely. And we'll get some more scenes with them later. But right now, we get a scene with Betty and Reggie. And they get to know each other a little bit. And she basically recaps the last few episodes. And and, and Reggie's like, wait, what? You had a peep show with Archie? Like you were showing your panties on TV? And Betty was so proud. She's like, you know, like, Marilyn like, <laughs> I know. I was like, no shame. Get it. <laughs> and uh, but Reggie's like not not prepared for all this. Like he's very uh, what's the word? He's very reserved. And yeah, and it also seemed like he didn't want to step on Archie's toes. I guess. Um, so he awkwardly relieves Betty of her duties as a vixen. She's well, very if I was her, I'd be relieved. <laughs> I mean, uh, now she can go be Archie's uh, girl because Tony quit. Exactly. And Reggie doesn't want her. <laughs> but we don't actually Reggie see that. Reggie on homework. Alright, so next Reggie is practicing free throws in the gym and he declines Archie's offer to have lunch with him and his friends. Um, this was interesting. Like Archie's being very uh, well-meaning, but he doesn't and why Reggie is not trying to hang out with him. And I just feel like Reggie's just very focused, you know. He knows what he's here for, and he knows how people are going to treat him. So he doesn't even want to be bothered, so. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't think, Archie, I, 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 yeah, I don't think he gets that, that kind of drive. Respectfully, Archie. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but yeah, he was wearing a great, if I remember correctly, this is the scene where he was wearing, Archie was wearing a great yellow button down with like a pointy sort of collar situation it was really cool i really really want to own it <laughs> so if anyone finds out uh where the costuming people bought that shirt uh i want i want one of them all right yeah let me know if you find it <laughs> <laughs> all right um tony pitches a literary society to tabitha and clay who are very excited tony also reveals her crush on cheryl quit the vixens but clay hearing this encourages her not to give up on her uh, ship with, with Cheryl. Good for Clay. Having that nice little moment about how he and Kevin talk things out and are able to appreciate their differences. Like this was interesting. Like I, um, there's a lot that I could say about. Oh, let's hear it. <laughs> uh, where to start. Okay. So um, first of all, I'm excited that they are trying to start a literary society for the black students. Like, um, like I said before, I felt that they were kind of pushing a lot of the racial issues to the side in previous episodes. And I feel like this goes back to what they started doing in the first episode where like Tony was writing and, and they were reading Langston. And it was just um, educational for everybody. And I like 
this uh for uh you know activism that these kids are doing and in this case they're starting a new club and they need professor they need principal featherhood i can't say his name they need principal featherhead's permission or at least some funds and so later um tony asks cheryl for help and they know that principal featherhead's going to be an obstacle but cheryl kind of works her magic gets done so i appreciate this allyship it's just it's just i like it i think that they're you know giving these characters depth and and the background that is real um and on top of that uh then we get into the situation where they t- talk about their relationships and it is notable that both kevin and clay and uh and tony and cheryl are both interracial queer relationships like that's be a complicated thing especially in the 50s like i'm glad they acknowledge that like um you know uh, i'm someone who's experienced relationships like this in my life and like i in you know it, it can be challenging at times um or and some people it might be worth pushing through the challenges so it was interesting that you had the two different perspectives you had clay who was like you know to pursue it further and you had tony who was like more hesitant this episode and they're just acknowledging the difference is because it didn't ring as true to me when it felt like they were ignoring. Yeah, I remember you saying that. And they definitely, I mean, it, it was almost as if like a lot of the interracial relationships, both romantic and like friendships were like they they were getting into what that really meant in the 1950s in this episode, or at least they were getting into it in, in some sense. You know, I don't know a lot about the historical accuracy or anything like that, but they were talking about it. So, and I'm just glad that all these characters got lines, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) I am glad because, you know, I said before I was worried we weren't going to see Kevin and Clay anymore. Um, And I'm glad to have been proven wrong on that. Yeah, they brought them back in a big way, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Sorry, go ahead. I'm loving the the Babylonian uh, shenanigans. Oh, yeah, yeah. Should we talk about that? Um, Sure. We're back at the Babylonian. Uh, Kevin, this is where Kevin called out Veronica about being towards Clay in the workplace environment. And so she calls him a wet rag. <laughs> and uh, she's like, what's wrong with a little workplace flirtation? And, um, but that's where Kevin says that he knows for a fact that, Kay, that Clay is not interested. Why? Because he's not attracted to assertive women? He's like, no, he's not attracted <laughs> to any women. And neither am I for that matter. Like, Kevin... It's one thing if you out yourself, but should you be outing out Clay? Like, this is the second time people have been outing other people. Or maybe that's just what happened a lot back then. <laughs> I don't know. I was also kind of like, I was under the impression that the, that the etiquette was not to out someone to someone else unless they had explicitly told you it was okay. Yeah. Which I assume wouldn't have happened in this situation, but I could be wrong. But maybe Ke- Kevin and Clay had a conversation behind the scenes where Kevin was like, listen, Veronica's trying to hook up with you, so you want me to fix that? <laughs> Well, I do have to say, I did want to see that scene. Like, I thought we were going to get a scene of of Kevin and Clay talking about their new situation and, like, trying to hide from Veronica. But that's not what's going to happen. Like, he comes out and and Veronica's like, I knew it. I knew you were both secret friends of Dorothy. (laughs) (laughs) I had a feeling they were going to incorporate that little little phrase into, into these episodes. I thought it was funny how Veronica added secret to the phrase friends of Dorothy I'm like usually people get it when you say you're a friend of Dorothy to add, I'm like she has secret friends now like <laughs> like they you, could just, be they, the, they... you could be the lion you could be the tin man you could be the scarecrow they weren't secret friends they were just her friends they like all Dorothy's friends are gay <laughs> period I mean look at that line come on <laughs> but anyway I think they were just having to add that you know more gay slang in the 50s. Yeah, they're uh, very proud of themselves for uh, mm-hmm. whatever little book or whatever they picked up with all the slang in it. <laughs> and so well, maybe her gaydar does work. And she was just testing her theories. Um, or maybe she's just lying. Because then she asks if it's <laughs> <she> bi. <laughs> and, um, Clay, and Kevin is like, no. <laughs> <laughs> he says no with, with some pretty firm emphasis, too. Like, they, stay away from my man. Exactly. <laughs> and Veronica's excited for them. He dog. He is a hunk. Um, and uh, Veronica says the only thing better than having a hunky boyfriend is having hunky friends who are boys. <laughs> she is so. 
I'm so excited to have um, some gay friends, some gay best friends. <laughs> um, then she has a funny line where she says, I've always had more fun going out with Tony and Tab than, say, Steve. And then she clarifies she's talking about Steve McQueen and Dennis Hopper. <laughs> I'm like, but wait a minute. When you say Tony and Tab, are you talking about Tony Topaz and Tabitha? Or are you talking I... about uh, Tab and um, whoever Tony is? I don't even know. I would assume she means our Tony and Tab. I don't think so. I think she's talking about guys because she's talking about gay guys. Like, Oh, I thought I thought it was because like, you know, she doesn't have the opportunity to go out with guys now. And she's saying, oh, I always prefer going out with my girlfriends anyways. Hmm. Steve McQueen and uh, the other guy are definitely like old timey movie stars. So that, I know Tab Hunter was a famous person. Um, let me look this up real quick. <laughs> gay references. <laughs> yeah, Tab Hunter was definitely a gay icon from back then. Uh, so who was Tony? Not Tony Bennett. I'm pretty sure he was straight. <laughs> okay, it looks like Tab Hunter had a secret love affair with Tony Perkins, um, or Anthony Perkins, who was uh, Norman Bates in the Psycho movie. Interesting. Yeah, I, they're always dropping these uh, references, so I, I, I do like to try and pick them up. I can. So, next, where are we? Okay, here we oh, the Julian talks about the mixer and isn't welcoming to Reggie. Mm-hmm. So Reggie tells Archie about all the racism and bullying he's experienced. Um, and he flashes back to Stonewall Prep. And we have a cameo of Brett Weston Wallace. Thanks. <laughs> and very racist stuff. Yeah. Like, what a terrible cameo. <laughs> yeah. I guess I guess our opinion of Brett really, it, it really can't get any worse. It was already pretty low. Yeah. Like, come back for two seconds just to be racist. Mean. But yeah. I, guess, I guess he always kind of sucked. But it's just funny because we were talking about him two episodes ago. And here he is. Yeah, as always, good to, good to see the same actors coming back to see uh, to play the same characters. Um, and as I as I said earlier, I really do think this like the whole Reggie storyline just really worked for me. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, like uh, and it was kind of sad to see them fill his locker room his, his locker with rice poorly. Yeah, uh-huh. it was it was very sad. But then it's also like it explains why he's so different, and it explains why he's so scared of, of getting close with Archie or with or with anyone else. Yeah. And I appreciate it's with Archie, like them having a private moment to just talk about what's going on. Um because Archie is still trying to figure like just like last episode, he's trying to figure out what he doesn't know yet about the world. And um and naive thinking that Julian is not that bad, but but Reggie's like, no he is <laughs> so um then we're back to Tony, and that's when Tony asks Cheryl for help funding her new club. And Cheryl has uh, straightforwardly asks Tony if her race is part of the reason why she broke up with her. And yes, like uh, like that is part of the reason, not all of the reason, but um, it's a very straightforward conversation. Uh, that I was surprised that they went that far. But I think it was important to, to kind of like just be direct and say, you know, like these are like like since they just got together, you know, like they see talking. Whereas like in the past, in the in the in the older timeline, they just Tony got, moved a little fast. Yeah. yeah, they just got straight to business, and that was that. <laughs> yeah, they were like, "Hey, we should move in together." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and we did have a little bit of tension with like Tony's. Was it her grandfather? Her, I think it was her her nana. Her nana not liking um, the the blossoms, which tracks, you know, who in this town does like the blossoms. But right. uh, this was definitely interesting, um, and, I, and I think like a conversation, like you said earlier, they needed to have. Um, I wish that I had seen that they had showed us more in this episode how um, like Cheryl being white and Tony being black affects their relationship. Like I could definitely imagine them being in different social groups at school because of it, or just like having really different experiences where maybe Cheryl says something along the lines of like, you know, oh well, I've never seen you know never seen such and such happen I, I i don't think that like riverdale is is racist and maybe tony has to push back on that a little bit so i wish we'd seen a bit more of why tony feels like this is this is a problem um but 
it's still, you know, I, I do think it adds a complexity to their relationship. And, and, and the fact that they are like talking through these problems and these differences is, is super interesting to me. Yeah. Like they have subtly touched on it in previous episodes. Like the, when Tony mentions how proud she was to be the first black cheerleader at, um, and then when Tony used to invite Cheryl to the dark room and, so, um, and in this moment, I was wondering, like, is she going to invite Cheryl to be a part of the, like, is the literary society only for black students or is it like just about black literature? Anyone can join. Good would, question. Cheryl, would Cheryl want to join? I don't even know. Um, but I is definitely trying to encourage uh, Jughead to read up on black authors. She introduces him to W.E.B. Du Bois and... This was really interesting because she mentions that he had a story called The Comet, which was an interracial sci-fi tale, like about a, a comet destroying a town. And the only two survivors are, you know, the two lovers. Um, and like, this is all very on the nose. I'm like, did they know this before they did the whole comet plot line? Or did they just find out after the fact? Or <laughs> a happy coincidence. Yeah. Like, I don't even know. Like, I feel like I have not heard anyone mention that W.E.B. Du Bois book about this. But maybe we just didn't know. <laughs> I didn't. I know. also never heard of the comet. If it makes you feel any better. Yeah, like like that's a that's a deep cut right there. Um, like that's not even what W. E. B. Du Bois is famous for. Yeah, I think that's no, no, not at all. <laughs> but, but that was an interesting little uh, um, history moment. So then, um, we did skip a couple scenes. We, we did go to the mixer, and we got a little Barchi scene there. Um. Archie says, me, Betty. <laughs> He's not capable of not being a goof. He is so corny. <laughs> and then once again, they're just annoyed about the way the grown-ups are treating them. About how now Betty has to be on the basketball uh, cheerleading squad. Um, but she says she don't think she doesn't think that she'll be a vixen for much longer. Because once Alice finds out that she's been assigned a basketball player to take care of, she thinks that her mom will flip her lid. She is called over to talk with Clifford Blossom, and Clifford gets straight to the point. He thanks Archie for his sacrifice of uh, bunking with Reggie while he uh, or hosting Reggie while the basketball team. And then, very quickly, Archie catches on to the fact that everyone in this conversation is being hella racist. Um, like Clifford does not care about Reggie or his uh, his um, academics. Um, he, he just wants him to smile and play basketball. And Archie, not really cool with that, but he, he doesn't really challenge it in this moment. Um, even a random guy named to be racist. I'm like, who is Dennis? And why does he have something to say? <laughs> like, what, He says something really mean, too. Um, I can't even imagine like having to share a room with a, you know, with a, he was probably going to say something derogatory, but it got. And then he trails off. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the CW was like, "Hey guys, no racial slurs in this one, please." Yeah, I mean, they did have a couple back at the Stonewall Prep, but like, mm -hmm. they, they probably hit the limit. <laughs> <laughs> That's. I mean, it is possible, but yeah, I mean, the the sort of the it was kind of subtle. I mean, it wasn't very subtle, but I feel like for Riverdale standards, it was pretty. It was pretty subtle. I think it did a good job of showing that kind of like, oh, it's okay, we're all in the know here. Talk that where like usually like bigotry resides and it's like sometimes the hardest place to challenge it is like when other people assume you agree now interestingly cheryl overheard this conversation and i wonder if that'll come back later yeah good point i guess it's kind of like she's getting disillusioned with her with her parents and what they do mm -hmm. all right so then we're at the babylonium reggie has decided to go see a film and veronica is excited to see him there um and she tries to flirt with him, but Reggie actually negs her hardcore. Like, he, he <laughs> honestly, I forgot that you even worked here. Like, she's like, I don't work here. I own this place. <laughs> See, I didn't read that as negging. I thought he just genuinely, like, forgot everything that she had ever said to him. It's possible, but, like, <laughs> I mean, I think of it as negging because, in this case, you have a straight man acting disinterested towards a girl, and it turns her on even more. Whereas when Clay was disinterested it was because he was gay like it was he wasn't negging like clay was definitely not negging veronica he was just kind of changing the subject as quickly as possible <laughs> whereas uh reggie either he's just dumb or blunt or just like 
I don't know. Like even Kevin said he was very, very rude. <laughs> but Veronica doesn't care. She says, "Because that is the real Moby Dick." <laughs> what a line! I think that's the best line of the episode. <laughs> All right. Um. So yeah, that and then later we have that scene with Reggie back at the house and Reggie's reading Super Duck, and he asks Archie how the mixer went, and Archie doesn't want to talk about it. So next, uh, we're back, and Uncle Frank is in a meeting. So Julian is running the the basketball warm ups, and Uh-oh. and he bosses everyone around. Um, he doesn't want Reggie to have the ball, um, and then Archie is mad like he punches out and he gives a speech about teamwork how like you don't have to get along but on this court we're a team you guys better start now is this the second time julian's been punched uh at least (laughs) (laughs) i mean my goodness look i thought it was an awesome moment like especially like for tv but irl archie you can't just you can't just punch people in the face oh you know archie loves punching people in the face (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I, I know about Archie's vigilante uh, tendencies. Like he definitely sees the opportunity to punch Julian out while there were no adults around. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and I guess, I don't know. But yeah, I mean, it was, I actually really liked his little speech. Um, I thought that was like good. It was good leadership. It was good classic Archie, you know, like rise to the occasion sort of stuff. Um, and obviously, I think pretty poorly of Julian's uh, team leadership abilities. So good for Archie. Yeah, I mean, like, I definitely think KJ Apple did a great job delivering the speech. I I appreciate what he was saying about, you know, you know, Reggie's our strongest player. We're not doing this crap, but you guys are going to uh be teammates with him and treat him fair. Like I get that. I appreciate that, but well again, this is kind of where I felt like it kind of wasn't on the for me because he didn't say stop being racist. <laughs> I guess you can't put it in those words, but um, yeah, that's what makes it seem more like a bullying situation. It's like, they're just, I don't know. I'm not sure what I wanted from this scene, but I, I think it had its intended effect. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. All right. So then just Archie later on talks with Reggie privately and, and then they finally start to understand each other because Archie kind of explains why he did what he did. He says he didn't do it for Reggie. He says, I know you don't need saving. I did it for my own sake and for the teams. I didn't want to believe you were right about this town. Maybe we are just as messed up as any other place. And Reggie silently appreciates what he says and what Archie did. And he just says, you want to grab a burger at Pops on the way home? And so they, 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 they said maybe they'll run into some of the other guys there as well. So so Reggie's Archie halfway, which is what he was complaining about before. Like, um, you know, I'll meet you halfway because I see that, you know, you're not like the rest of these guys. So, I mean, it was nice, especially because Reggie's been on for so long. And on top of that, him and Archie don't always have the best relationship anyway. So <laughs> it's nice to see them be friends for real. I like to see them be friends. I see no reason why they shouldn't be. Like, I always thought this during like the contemporary Riverdale plot lines, they would be butting heads so often. I was like, I don't know. It seems like you guys have a lot in common. Well, I will say that uh, in the previous timeline, there were a lot of uh, jealousy issues with Reggie being jealous of Archie because Archie was Veronica's first choice. True. And Betty and, and Veronica being jealous of Betty because Archie eventually chose Betty over her. Um, so, like, in this new timeline, I'm hoping that Veggie will get back together and um, and that Veronica won't be second choice. And, I mean, even though Veronica is looking at all the guys, like, she definitely talks about how Reggie is her white whale or be dick, so to speak. <laughs> and, um, you know, like, I want to see them put each other first this timeline. Do you think that'll happen? Um... I hope so. I hope so. I think it's possible they might need to work together for what comes ahead, which will be maybe a little more grueling than high school in the 1950s. If they go back to the contemporary timeline. At this point, I'm kind of like, I don't know. Maybe it's not going to happen. <laughs> well, um, I I do think that uh, this is the first episode in a while where we find hints 
about the other timeline, like with, with everything Tabitha was talking about with the comet, um, even if this an alternate 50s Tabitha, it does feel kind of like narratively she's dropping hints about reminding us like, you know, the comet might be coming two years from now. <laughs> um, well, the interesting thing about that is then like, is the implication or the hint supposed to be that we're, you know, supposed to think that maybe the plot line of this W.E.B. Du Bois story is like what's going to happen to them? Like they're all going to die except for two of them. I don't think that's what's going to happen. Um, but I do think that they're making an illusion where where uh, Jagatha is the the loving co- the comet because their love has kind of survived the comet, you know, <laughs> the previous comet. I get really confused yeah. when I think about this too much because like the comet isn't even the thing that sent them back in time. It, uh, you know, yeah. So it's not going to. It was them a reaction. Present. If it comes, it's just going to wipe everybody out. But... Yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe Riverdale ends with them all dying. <laughs> I that mean... would actually be super funny. I have to be honest with you. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past them, but I feel like they already did that in that episode last season where dying. Remember that one? <laughs> <laughs> like that was their Avengers Infinity War moment um, back when Tony and Fangs got married and everybody died. <laughs> but. At this point, I'm just so, like, I, I just, oh, this is getting into speculation, so we should probably wrap up the, the episode summary first. Okay, all right, we're so close. Um, what else happened? Um, after Cheryl uh, tells Tony that she's, was, she was able to get the funds for her club, Tony asks Cheryl out to the dark room and tells her that she wants to try again. So that's sweet. Um, yeah, so Tony fans can um, rest easy tonight. Yeah, I can take a breath and just... Be happy that they are still together. <laughs> um, meanwhile, in the final scene, Jughead discovers that Rayberry is dead. Sheriff Keller and the cops are cleaning out his apartment, and Sheriff Keller, Brad hung himself and left a note that said, I can no longer keep living like this. And I'm like, like what? I, I assumed this was like the milkman had had framed him or like not framed him like like he killed him and made it look like a suicide. Yeah, that's our, is that's that what you takeaway. thought too? That's my takeaway too. That like I I don't think it's necessarily the acting on his own. I think that well the implication is that the milkman is working for uh, all these old white men who have this like social club who are manipulating everything in town like Clifford, um, Doctor Werther's, Principal Featherhead. Like as soon as they pissed them off, he was assassinated and. And they framed him to make it look like a suicide. And they and they do like like you say make it seem like when they're all together talking about how they want the attention of the town moved away from the murder of Ethel's parents. It's not a hundred percent clear whether they're just saying that because it's like bad for business or bad for governing. But there's definitely for like school or exactly. But there was, school. there was an undertone of of like there's another reason they want this covered up. I would agree with that. Yeah. So, but it's but if the milkman is indeed an assassin. Why? Like, why did they kill Ethel's parents? Were they actually trying to kill Ethel, who was like... <laughs> um, I have lots of questions. No answers. We'll find out, hopefully, eventually. <laughs> I, I, I would I hope so. He... Otherwise, it would be pretty disappointing. <laughs> They'll all be dead, and we won't know anything. <laughs> No, yeah, um, Riverdale's just gonna—they're just gonna keep doing like Betty discovers her sexuality for twenty episodes, and then the last episode's like, "Uh oh, here comes the comet!" Boom, they're all <laughs> dead. Milkman, who? Never heard of him. <laughs> that would be the biggest twist. But... That would be—I mean, it would be horrible, but it would be kind of Riverdale. <laughs> I mean, I definitely don't want to leave us hanging like that. But um, <laughs> like I said, I wouldn't put it past them. But I think this milkman situation it was also weird because now the milkman hangs people is that what we're to believe i guess i thought he stabbed people to death i guess he can do them any way he wants to i guess like <laughs> or maybe the milkman like manipulated ray not ray brad rayberry <laughs> into into killing himself hmm well i wonder if the suicide note means anything potentially vague like he said, I can no longer keep living like this. So are they trying to also say that he was gay? Or... Oh, that this, I did not think of that. Is this a gay suicide? Or is this a... Or maybe living like this 
something that some of his friends were uh, accused of being communists in the Red Scare. Like, is that what it is? Or like, I, re- I I don't trust Riverdale to like dig too deep into this, but but they might. They might. I, I do think this is part of the ongoing. We should get some answers. I think in these next couple episodes. So so much for Tabitha meeting her literary hero. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Like, this is terrible. But at least we are back into the mystery. Um, like, uh, unfortunately, yeah. Ed will not get a surrogate father figure. Um, yeah. Anything else you want to say about? Um, no. I mean, that's that's pretty much it. All right. Well, now it's time to rate the episode. So, Kennedy, is it a ten? So I will say I liked a lot of aspects of this episode. I liked how they got deeper into the characters and their relationships with each other. There was a lot of just standing around and talking in this episode, which is something Riverdale does a lot and I don't love. Uh, So I wish there'd been more action. Um, That having been said, I'll give it a 7 out of 10, I think. Um, There was action. Archie punched Julian in the face. There's a lot of basketball (laughs) games. Like uh, there was murder. not action in Riverdale. I need to see some murder. There was a murder. Oh, yeah. But well, it was off screen. But we didn't see it. <laughs> I'm bloodthirsty. <laughs> All right. Well, um, that's fair. So uh, I'll give you my ranking. Um, I gotta say, I really enjoyed this episode. Like, um, they gave me almost everything I asked for. Like, I asked for Reggie. I got it. And heaping help. <laughs> they, I asked for Tabitha. I got a lot of great Tabitha scenes. I asked for Tony to come back. And I asked for background on these characters. And I asked for, you know, them to deal with the the real issues of like the times like i got a lot of that and i was like wow this is what i've been waiting for (laughs) um so on that front i have to rank it pretty high um now i will say there was not a lot of notable music like sometimes i I like the music uh in the show and this episode was kind of light on musical cues um another thing is like uh less bloody than you know some other Riverdale episodes and honestly I kind of like that because like, this one with the Jughead's horror comic episode like over there we got Psycho murdering Dilton and we got Happy Dilton winning the basketball game and I'm like that's cute I love it that, that's what I'm here for <laughs> <laughs> so, I kind of want to give it a 10 but I think I'm going to give it a 9 I'll say it's on par with the other episode I liked the premiere so and I'm going to reserve my 10 for later but it's so close like all the references and all the funny veronica lines and you know i was having a great time like with all of her tips at flirting (laughs) (laughs) i was cracking up um yeah so i'll give it a nine and uh look forward to the next episode where apparently betty is just really horny (laughs) queen but also, I, I hope that we we get some more information about the milkman because I'm getting sick of them just putting that at the like last two minutes of the episode. Yeah, they can't keep stringing us along like this. Yes, show me the gore. Mm-hmm. So, um, is there any other media you'd like to shout out before we wrap up? Well, this is pretty different from Riverdale, but I I've just finished reading Confessions of an English Opium Eater um, by Thomas De Quincey for my my upcoming uh, a project I'll be doing, basically a, a thesis and. Uh, very fun, very um, old. I think it was written in the 1820s um, account of a guy who gets addicted to opium. And it's kind of like considered the first ever um, piece of writing in in England, at least, about the effects of, of drugs um, and the like hallucinations, basically, or the, the crazy dreams that they caused De Quincey to have, have become, some people would argue, the basis for all, all literature about drugs that has followed. So I was reading it and thinking, like, you could really trace a lineage from this to uh, Jingle Jangle. I was so, about to say, yeah, or, or, or uh, Fizzle Rock. Fizzle Rocks, certainly. Yeah, <laughs> Don't, there, there are a lot of Riverdale drugs. So yeah. thank you, Thomas De Quincey, for making it possible for, you know, some odd 200 years later for us to learn about uh fizzle rocks (laughs) also um maybe uh even just like sugary sweets like in this episode jughead mentioned that he went to order some senior mint and mint bongos three buccaneers and a skit scat so (laughs) so maybe all that sugar could uh have some side effects i don't know (laughs) Uh uh-oh he's gonna go on another bender yeah (laughs) interesting thanks for sharing um i've got a few things i'd like to 
mention. Um, so I a few weeks ago I started watching Queen Charlotte show on Netflix, um, which is interesting uh, with its timing because it came out like around the same weekend that uh, King Charles was coronated in England. And like I don't really care a lot about British royalty, but um, I am someone who watches Bridgerton. So <laughs> oh, oh, so I'm 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 watching the Queen Charlotte show and. Uh, it's interesting. It's pretty steamy, you know. Um, <laughs> it's kind of like Riverdale in the sense that they are trying to like tell uh, a more progressive tale in a past time setting. They're trying to bend towards justice <laughs> in a way that uh, historically wasn't necessarily happening, as far as I'm aware. But um, it's interesting. Um, Another thing I want to mention, just a couple comic books. Like, uh, comic books are popping right now. Like, lots of good stuff is out. There was a new Avengers comic book this week. Um, um, yeah, like it's uh, exciting times in the comic book world. I think that's about it. All right. Well, thank you for listening to this Riverdale podcast. Um, and thank you, Candy, for joining me on this review enjoyed listening to our podcast and you would like to hear more please like rate subscribe and review us on your app of choice we are currently on spotify and podcasts we're also on twitter reddit and instagram um are we on any other social uh i'm not okay reddit twitter instagram i think that's everything right um comic book geeks that's the one because like uh yeah this is ultimately going to be uh, a podcast about comic books once we're done with Riverdale. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Once Riverdale's done with us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, uh, League of Comic Book Geeks, we got some stuff going on over there. So, uh, your feedback and engagement means so much to us, and we hope to catch you next time, Riverdaleians. Can you dig it? <laughs> Goodbye. Bye-bye.